0: Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, Nebraska Extension beef educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we will be discussing the article from the August issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled "Utilizing Summer Annuals." To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by the author Ben Beckman, who's an Extension educator based in the northeast part of the state. Thanks for joining me today, Ben. Glad
1: to be here, Aaron.
0: Well, Ben, the focus of your article was on summer annuals, in particular talking about the different types of summer annuals that are out there and what the characteristics of those summer annuals are. Share with us a little more about some of these summer annuals and how their characteristics may lend themselves to different types of management.
1: We've got a lot of different options when it comes to our summer annual species to choose from. And this article is really focused on, you know, now that we're kind of towards the end of that season season whatever we have, utilizing that in the best way possible. But it's also something uh, when we get around to, you know, late next spring and we're planning summer annuals again, um, just keeping in mind that when we have that end goal, whether that's grazing or hay or silage, um, whatever it is in mind, that can really help uh, drive our selection process. And so when we're looking at uh, our species, especially um, our summer annual grass species, uh, we can kind of split them into two different groups. We've got our our sorghum species, and then we've kind of got our millets. Um, our sorghums, even within that group, there's a lot of diversity and, and differences there. Uh, we go all the way from our forage sorghums that can, you know, be extremely high producing. We can get up to, you know, in record cases, up to 11 tons of production per acre in in some forage sorghum plots uh, down to, you know, a regular sedan grass um, that's going to be producing on the low end, you know, maybe around three tons per acre. And their growth habit and and how they uh, come back and how they deal with uh, harvest or grazing is all going to influence how we use those. Um, So our forage sorghums, you know, those are going to be a thicker stemmed plant. Um, They're going to have leaves more along lines of a corn plant. And so they're going to really lend themselves to something like a a silage. Uh, If we want to use that for a hay purpose, we're really going to have a hard time drying down those thick stalks. Can graze those species, but again, that stem is kind of a deterrent for most animals. They'll strip off some of the leaves, um, but we're going to have a lot of waste there. When we get to the other end of the the spectrum, our sedan grasses, um, you know, really are more of a a leafy uh, structure, um, really little stem there. So really ideal for a a grass or grazing or or hay production, going to have a lot more regrowth potential than we would with a a straight forage sorghum. And then we've got our sorghum sedan crosses that bridge the gap in between the two, um, depending on what variety you select. You know, we can get something that's a little bit more stemmy, that will be a little bit more in line to a forage sorghum, down to something that's going to be a little bit more grazing quality and and finer stemmed. On the other side of that, look at uh, some of our millet species too. You know, we have uh, German and pearl millet. Both of those are going to be a lot finer stemmed species, and they're going to lend themselves more to, to grazing and hay production. German millet in particular doesn't have the regrowth potential on it. So that's something, especially from a hay production standpoint, we don't have to worry about issues like prussic acid. We can get down um, hay that pretty low when we do our cutting on it and, and get a good crop.
0: Ben, you mentioned prussic acid. That is one of the issues with some of these summer annuals that we need to be aware of. Talk about managing risk with that. I guess also a highlight for us, what is prussic acid poisoning and when can it be an issue?
1: Well, uh, prussic acid is something that we find in our forage species, Aaron. It's going to be in our forage sorghums, our sorghum sedan crosses, and our straight sedan grasses uh, to varying levels. Our our straight forage sorghum is going to have the highest amount. Uh, Sedan grass is going to have the lowest amount, but there's still some production there. And basically what it is, it's, it's a compound called durin that's found naturally in the plant as that cell starts to decompose, whether that's from grazing or from us harvesting it, uh, it turns into a form of cyanide is what it is. And so if our animals ingest too much of that, um, as you can imagine from anybody that's going to ingest too much cyanide, we're going to have some issues there. So we really want to minimize the potential for that even happening. And the nice thing is that uh, on, on two different fronts, first of all, that most of that um, durin is located in young shoots. So in, in the lower down in the plant of young shoots. So if we manage when we harvest or graze, um, you know, we want to leave six to eight inches of, re- or, uh, of stem at the bottom when we're harvesting or, or grazing it if we can and not harvest until we get, you know, 18 to 24 inches of growth is kind of the preferred area there. Uh, that's going to lessen the risk that we have any prussic acid developing. The other nice thing is that because that cyanide, uh, as it's being released, turns into a gas, Um, whenever we're doing something like, uh, you know, chopping this for silage or we're haying it, that's going to be released out of that plant during the curing process for hay or the fermentation process for silage. So for those two harvest methods, we don't have to worry about prussic acid quite as much. Uh, It's really when we're focusing from a grazing standpoint that we need to keep an eye out for it. For it. Um, and just one more thing to add on to that is it's any regrowth that we have, we have to wait for that 18 to 24 inches before we go back and reharvest harvest to re-graze. And so if we graze that off once, um, you know, we might have varying stems of different height. That regrowth sometimes can come from the base of the plant. Sometimes that's going to come from higher up in the plant. And so you really need to go out there um, and measure what we've got for regrowth before we make the decision to turn back out for grazing or, or to harvest it in some way, just to make sure that we're measuring the actual regrowth. We're not measuring what was left over. And then maybe the regrowth's only, uh, you know, eight inches on top of that, but it looks a lot further or a lot larger um, if we're looking at it from a distance.
0: And there's also some risk with prussic acid poisoning around These sorghums and sorghum-sedan hybrids that are near freezing or at the time of a freeze. Talk a little more about that and what might be a risk related to that if producers are grazing those and we're in the fall.
1: Uh, Definitely, Aaron. So just as when we're harvesting it, basically any time that that cell starts to decompose, we have that prussic acid uh, start to show up. And so from a freeze standpoint, when we're harming that plant, you know, freeze damage is destroying those cells and we release that prussic acid. And so we need to wait, you know, a a good um, time period. We usually say is about four days, um, five days after a a hard freeze where we have damage to the plant um, before we can turn back out and graze uh, just to make sure that anything that's in those leaves and the damaged part of that plant dissipates. Now the catch with this comes um, in the fact that anytime we have a refreeze and a new part of that plant gets damaged again, we have to start that timer again for when we can turn back out and graze. And so when we get later on in the year here, uh, especially when we're having continual hard freezes, you know, sometimes several days apart, it might be really difficult to actually get out there and graze that plant. We might have to wait till the, the whole plant's been killed off by a frost and then we can go out and um, let our animals to it. So um, from a freezing standpoint, and and I guess also if we have any storms coming through here at the later part of the year, if we have hail damage, things like that, anytime that that plant gets physically harmed and we have cells that are dying in the plant, we've got that risk for prussic acid.
0: The other possible risk with summer annuals is nitrates. Give a little more perspective on those and Some things to be aware of when utilizing summer annuals to minimize risk with nitrate poisoning.
1: Well, uh, nitrates are, again, you know, they're going to show up across most of our summer annuals um, that we have to keep an eye out for. And they're similar in some ways to prussic acid, but a little bit different. Um, They concentrate, too, in, you know, new growth. Um, They concentrate at the bottom of the, the stem of the plant. And usually that's resulting from some sort of stress to the plant. So if we have drought stress occurring where, um, you know, that plant's just not able to grow because it's lacking moisture, um, all the way to if we have too many rainy days uh, and too much cloud cover and the photosynthesis of the plant's not occurring naturally like it normally does, um, those nitrates can start to accumulate in the plant. Again, they're going to accumulate at the base of the plant. So leaving, you know, the bottom third of a stock uh, when we measure our total plant uh, from a grazing standpoint is going to make sure that most of those really high nitrate areas are going to be down at the bottom and we're not going to have issues with that. From a haying and uh, silage standpoint, nitrates do stick around. So if we have any thoughts that we might have something that's a little bit high in nitrate, Um, go ahead and, you know, harvest that as high up as we can and then make sure that we're taking a sample and sending that in. Uh, When we're feeding out high nitrate hay or we've got high nitrates in silage, um, we dilute that out in a ration or or feed it out in a way that we're not going to cause risk to an animal, even if it might be a little bit higher, you know, on the risk side if we were to give them free choice to it. Just because we have or suspect high nitrates doesn't mean that those are unusable forages. We just need to make sure that we're feeding them out in a way that's going to be safe and and lower our potential for risk.
0: Ben, anything else you'd like to highlight on this topic as we point towards wrapping this up?
1: You know, Aaron, I, I just like to go back to having an idea of what species you have planted and then what it's good for is going to be uh, really good at making sure that we're utilizing that in the best way possible. As we get into the later part of the year this year, you know, some of our thicker stem species are going to be a little bit harder to dry down if we wanted to do something from a haying standpoint um, as our days get shorter and temperatures start to decrease a little bit. So uh, just keeping that in mind and maybe considering alternative modes for harvesting that, whether that's you know silage chopping or grazing it, is going to help our producers be successful and and get the most out of that. The last thing that we want to have happen is, you know, we had some sorghum sedan hybrid that we knocked down and, you know, it just doesn't dry out in the windrow and and we've got a wasted crop from that. So keeping in mind some of the limitations of what we planted as we go forward and, and start to get closer to autumn here is going to be important to
0: utilizing that correctly. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Ben. Glad to talk with you, Aaron. For more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.ed website. At the website, we have a number of resources related to this topic.